You're listening to episode number three of Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast. Today, we're exploring a crux polarity that is on the mind of just about everyone in healthcare, the patient satisfaction and clinician satisfaction polarity. So stay tuned. Welcome to the Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast. We're so grateful you've joined us today. I'm Tracy. And I'm Michelle. We've been interprofessional partners in healthcare for over 30 years. During that time, we've been engaged in healthcare transformation and the development of healthy healing work cultures that result in the best places to give and receive care. We've engaged with healthcare leaders from across North America, and we are tired of seeing time, money, and resources wasted on change efforts that are not sustainable. In this podcast, we explore significant, reoccurring, and competing challenges faced by all healthcare leaders today using a brand new lens called polarity thinking, the missing logic in healthcare. You could say we represent the money ball of healthcare. We're here to expand your current thinking and challenge your reliance on problem-solving tactics. Welcome to Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast. This is Michelle, and I am with Tracy. And we are here today to talk about patient and clinician satisfaction. It's not an either or choice. Oh, heck no. No. This is why we are in healthcare, as a matter of fact. It is all about creating the best place to give and receive care, and therefore, it is about excellent patient care, and it's also about awesome clinicians and providers that deliver that care every single day. Yeah, there isn't, I don't think, any leaders who wouldn't want their patients to recommend their hospital or their staff to recommend it to work there, right? Everybody wants that goal. That's exactly right. This is hot, 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 Michelle. It is a hot topic. Mm-hmm. And I always like to look at trends. Um, I'm always looking for what's going on out there in the healthcare landscape. And what's fascinating about this particular patient experience, patient satisfaction, clinician experience, clinician satisfaction, is um, there's even new roles that are emerging in the healthcare market to Mm -hmm. keep their eye on the ball. Yeah. So one of them that we've seen is uh, patient experience officers. So over the last 10 years, we've seen a rise in these roles, and they are made up of Sometimes physicians, sometimes nurses, sometimes healthcare leaders. Um, I even recently met one that came from outside of the healthcare industry. Oh, wow. So we want to keep a focus on that patient experience. And this is being really, um, it's coming from a lot of different sources, certainly from the Accountable Care Act and uh, the triple aim and focusing on that patient experience. But also um, patients are becoming more of the consumer mindset. They want to go to places where their needs are going to be met. They they want the latest technology. They want the latest conveniences. So definitely have seen a lot um, really emerge in the focus on Having people in the executive uh, seats with um, titles such as patient experience officer and having it being very tied to the quality and safety initiatives of that organization as well. Oh, yeah. And one of the things I think, right, from a polarity lens perspective Mm -hmm. that we have to honor is that one is not more important than the other. So in this, you know, especially in this particular instance, um, both of these are so important and equally important. Yeah, so the other role that we've seen start to emerge is chief wellness officers with a big focus on clinicians, right, and keeping them well. So 
So it is. They're both very, very important. So let's just kind of step back and talk a little bit about, you know, maybe define some terms. What do we mean by um, patient satisfaction, patient experience? They're they're both used quite a bit. Um, I think traditionally we have used patient satisfaction, but it's still really, really important. And that's just what are the experiences, the subjective experiences of patients and families when they come to our organizations or our health settings for care. And we know that it's very influenced by their expectations, um, their preferences, and they really seek quality services from us. Mm -hmm. Uh, We also have um, the whole patient experience, which is now being looked at as how do we make it extraordinary? How do we make it over the top when uh, patients come to our organization, our facility, And um, we look at a lot of different ways to measure that as well. We don't look at just maybe the traditional satisfaction, but what do they think about the environment? What do they think about the team taking care of them? Waiting times is another one, right? Oh, yes. How long do I have to wait? (laughs) That's exactly right. How Mm -hmm. long do I have to wait? Um, So all really important quality, um, you know, indicators for this multidimensional aspect of what is the patient experiencing and how satisfied are the patients and families we care for? Well, you know, and uh, while we're talking about patient satisfaction, we've got the other side, which is the clinician satisfaction. And that's another multidimensional aspect, right? So it's not like you can say there's any one thing that defines either of these poles. And when it comes to clinician satisfaction, you know, this really impacts productivity. It does impact the quality of care if the clinicians aren't satisfied. Absolutely. You know, and it's it's related to their attitudes towards their job, their motivation, you know, towards their career, um, the health of their relationships with their coworkers and with their leaders. Um, It's also really, you know, their commitment to continue to work in that same environment. Um, And so, you know, it also impacts healthcare costs and has a broad range of impacts as well. And, um, and there's just a lot of different factors that can influence it Mm -hmm. as well. So we have to just be mindful of that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. So, wow, to have outstanding patient experiences, very satisfied clinicians, you know, this could put a lot of pressure on healthcare leaders when you think about it. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Are we doing it? (laughs) Well, for sure. For sure. And I think the other thing that we have to recognize that's happening right now is it's not just these two things that healthcare leaders are accountable for, because in addition to really assuring that their organization has outstanding patient experience. They are dealing with a lot of competing priorities right now. Um, Consolidation, mergers, acquisitions, building new hospitals, expanding ambulatory care settings, home care settings, putting in new technology platforms. And then I have to worry how satisfied the patients and the staff are at the same time. Yeah. Oh, uh, you know, they could probably liken it to being pulled on both arms, right? In opposite directions. Yes, <laughs> I feel like yes. you're being ripped apart, right? To try to manage all of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. very, very <clears throat> challenging. Well, you know, the other thing is, you know, there's a lot of factors that play into this. And some of them, I think, you know, really are kind of philosophical, Michelle. Mm-hmm. When you think about it, right, as clinicians, as leaders, I mean, what is our primary aim? 
is to care for the patients and families in the communities, right, that we serve. I mean, Absolutely. that is why we're here philosophically, mm-hmm. why we've chosen our careers um, is because we want to help and serve others. And so we tend to emphasize that. And that is our focus. And that's where, you know, it's kind of our preference in many ways, right? So that has a, you know, a big influence when you're starting to feel the downside of doing that, then you're torn internally, right? As a leader, as a clinician, uh, between what you have set out to do in your life and what you, you know, you value, and then what's important to you. So you can kind of feel that philosophical tear um, between your career and yourself. The other thing is there's lots of external um, challenges, right? And pressures, as you were you know, mentioning oh, earlier, yes. the cost, yeah. Quality, Mm -hmm. regulatory requirements, right? Reimbursement. Um, A lot of these things are driving patient satisfaction, you know, and experience. Then, you know, then we've got healthcare shortages and we've got retention efforts and we've got, you know, increasing incidences of burnout Mm -hmm. and depression and suicide. suicide. Oh my gosh, moral distress, right? That that internal tear. Um, And then just, you know, people are losing a sense of, you know, their purpose and their connection to why they get into their roles in the first place. So all of that, right, is also influencing the um, the clinician satisfaction pieces. And then, and then, of course, we've got, you know, people monitoring us and <laughs> wanting us to monitor ourselves and to share that, like the Joint Commission and CMS and then, you know, organizations that are going for magnet status, right? All these, you know, measure and report, measure, measure and, and report. report, measure and report. Yeah. So there's all that tension, mm-hmm. right, yeah. um, to manage as well. So Tracy, you mentioned the increase in burnout and suicide rates, right? So then you have to ask, how do we get here? You know, how do we really get in this place in healthcare? Um, so we know that to really focus on optimizing healthcare, that um, IHI came out with the triple aim several years ago now. And the triple aim is the patient experience, population health, and reduced cost per capita. And the good news is, is that there was a recognition that they were interdependent and we can't look at them in isolation. So a lot of focus went into these. Um, A lot of, it it provided a framework in which we could look at our strategic initiatives, programs at a local level, programs at a national level. It was even the underpinnings for the Accountable Care Act. Right. So it had a lot of momentum, um, the the triple aim. Mm -hmm. But what happened is I think, in hindsight, we potentially, and we did underestimate the burden placed on the clinician with all the focus on the triple aim. And when you look at the people factor, it's the patient and it's the clinician, right? Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until a study was done in 2014 by Bodenheimer and Sinsky where they really called out, look, the clinicians, they need positive experience as well. They have needs as well. And they really put it out there. We need a fourth aim. Um, and now we know it as the quadruple aim, right? Right. Yep. So there's a lot of attention on this now. And um, with that attention, there's even been uh, the launch of, through the um, National Academy of Medicine, uh, a coalition, an action coalition focused on clinician well-being and resilience. Um, and we're looking at it, though, in isolation. Again, we're looking at it as now we're looking at that as the clinician, right? And that's right. where the focus is. Right. And, you know, I think that's a fear, what I've read from the IHI 
is that, you know, there'll be this overemphasis, right, on the clinician and people will drop the other three aims, right, which is a natural response, right, because that's what we tend to do. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, so they haven't even quite recognized that um, the clinician experience or satisfaction is actually the fourth aim. Uh, so we've got some work to do, um, but we know the strength of this interdependent relationship and how important it is, right? Exactly. And the thing we always have to do when we run into these things, you know, because we um, natural, we're naturally problem solvers. So we tend to look at everything through a problem lens. Um, so let's just step back for a second. What we want to do is we always want to ask, is this a problem? Is it a polarity or is it both? So when we think about this problem with clinician satisfaction and, you know, of course, burnout would be a problem, right? Well, it's a problem. Because we we don't want, an, you know, that's we right. don't want it. Uh, it, it represents a, a challenge, something that's uncomfortable. We want to get rid of it. Um, you know, uh, in a problem, you make a choice A or B and you're done, right? You make your choice, you apply your solution and the solutions are independent and you're done. It's over. But a polarity has an interdependent pair. Mm -hmm. And in this case, while burnout may be a problem, patient and staff or clinician satisfaction are an interdependent pair. So we can't just solve the clinician satisfaction. It's directly connected to the patient satisfaction. So it's that interdependent pair that has to be managed and leveraged. Um, You can't have one or the other. And that's what polarities teach us. So we know that this is, you know, clinician... Uh, burnout is a problem, but we know underneath that we've got this whole polarity and dynamic that has to be managed over time. So in this whole dynamic of the triple aim and the focus on patient satisfaction, uh, we kind of ended up right in the downside of that because we overemphasized it uh, in, in many ways. And so let's just talk a little bit about what we're experiencing around that. And this is going to be a very high level, right? This isn't any great depth. That's and, right. Yep. But we'll just talk about it from a high level perspective. So, you know, if we overemphasize the patient satisfaction, we're kind of sitting in the downside of that. What that can look like uh, in an organization is staff and their work or contributions maybe are taken for granted. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the other thing that can be happening, too, is that, you know, while we're making all these decisions around technology platforms and, you know, changes to, you know, care delivery, we're not engaging them. They're not involved in those decisions and they have a significant impact on their work, but their voice isn't heard or they're not engaged in making those decisions to make sure that it is a good fit for them and that it does support them. Um, and then the other thing can be, you know, Everything is changing in healthcare, right? The medications are changing, the technologies are evolving, and the staff have to be able to keep up and grow from a professional development perspective and grow within their chosen profession. And there can be a lack of resources being allocated for them. So, you know, they can feel like, wow, I've got all this pressure to meet all these needs, but I don't have the resources to support me to be who I need to be, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. So that, you know, that happens. And, uh, And so when we're sitting in that space where we are today, right, our natural tendency is to want to swing that pendulum over to uh, solve this problem, right, to to alleviate this pain, this tension that we're feeling. And uh, and so, you know, we can put the swing way over and put all our emphasis on clinicians. clinicians. And, you know, there's some upsides to paying attention to that, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So what does that look like? Well, you know, when you are really managing that well and you have um, the positive outcomes, if you look at it that way as well, of 
you know, clinician satisfaction. First of all, they're going to be recognized, yeah. right? You're going to recognize them for all their contributions to care, for everything they're doing to advance the care in your organization. So they're recognized for their contributions. And that can take uh, shape in a lot of different ways. It could something small, a thank you, a thank you to your team on a unit, all the way up to you know people getting really recognized through awards, awards and other um, activities. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that they are able to make decisions of things that impact their work environment. That is a big satisfier. You know, they just don't come to work just to give the same care every day. They want to have an impact on their work environment and how to make their work better. And a satisfied um, clinician also, they we, we really support them in the resources that they need. And we get creative and we get innovative on the way that we do that. Just because we haven't done it before doesn't mean that we can't do it in a different way this time. And we're focused on that continuous learning environment and improving their um, their skills, their competencies, and just their their thinking as clinicians. What can we do to to really improve that so that their overall development is is continuing to escalate? Wow, that sounds great, doesn't it? Like who wouldn't want to work there? Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? If we just do that or we overemphasize that, we are at risk again, right? Here's this. You know, overemphasis leads to negative consequences over time. And mm-hmm. we don't know how long it'll take for that to happen, but there are some. And we, it's just, you know, when you, you wear a polarity lens, you need to be aware of what those negative consequences can be because they may show up, right? And you want to make sure you're doing your best to avoid them. So sometimes that looks like, um, you know, the care we're delivering, those services that we're delivering really become based more on the convenience of the staff, and less on what the patient prefers or yeah. less on what they want. It becomes more about me and what I can do, right? What I want to do. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the other thing is bedside staff too, you know, they sometimes decide what's best for the patients or families without their input. And, you know, sometimes they think, I know what's best. I know what you need. And they put that preference forth more than really engaging with the patient and asking the patient, what do you want today? What do you need today? How can I help you, uh, you know, achieve your goals today? It's all about my goals and what I need to get done, right? Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? You know, it could be nurses playing cards. Oh no, she didn't. (laughs) I think that, is that too soon? That might be too soon. (laughs) Might be too soon. (laughs) Gotta have a little humor folks. Yeah. And then, you know, the other thing here is patients or families complain about their care service as well, right? So they're going to start to say, hey, wait a minute. Yeah. You know, what about me? Hello, here I am, right? right. I'm here. I'm a person. Pay attention to me. And, uh, you know, so there are some downsides. If we overemphasize and get a little bit carried away, there can be some negative consequences. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we really want to... We really want to have the upside of both, right? Right. Of the clinician satisfaction and the patient satisfaction. And when we are really looking and keeping those patients um, top of mind when it comes to their experience, then they're going to really have their needs met, and and that we'll you know we'll know that um, through the services that are delivered to meet their needs, and they will let us know that. And we also will have really good partnerships with the patients and families that we serve. 
And um, that will really result in good patient care. And then also that patients and families, they're going to speak highly of our organization and they will tell their friends. So that's really important as well. Mm -hmm. And they'll tell us, right? Right. Well, and then when they need care, they'll come back. Yes. Right. Absolutely. So what we see is um, while, you know, Tracy, you mentioned that all the metrics that are being required now of healthcare leaders is that we are measuring them, but we're measuring them independently. And I think what the, what polarities teaches is we should be looking at them interdependently. How do these two tensions impact each other? Mm-hmm. Um, because there is an interconnectedness between the two of them, an interdependency. Right. Yeah. They're bound together. Right. And that tension is important. Right. right? It's just like a bow and arrow. If you don't have a tension on an arrow, it's never going to reach its target when you let go of it. Right. So it's the same kind of thing. And as leaders, we need to lean into this tension and recognize that tension exists. And that tension is a good thing. It's really a good thing. You know, and as a leader, uh, and we use this polarity thinking lens, right? it really can help us make sense of what we're experiencing in our organization. So that's the other value that it really brings. I think that's a huge value. Looking at these two big, significant, important things, right, in your organization, the patient and the clinician, um, it kind of helps you sort through what is being experienced, what, what is happening here. And it can help you to let go of the tension to try to solve the problem because mm-hmm. it's not a problem, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not going to be mm-hmm. solved and it's never going away. And what we know, if you recall uh, from our first session, is that all polarities work the same way, right? And so this polarity works just like every other polarity. And if we try to solve it, if we try to relieve that tension and solve it like it's a problem, 100% guarantee you're going to fail. You will fail. And actually, when you step back and look at where we are today, Michelle, we are in the failure, mm-hmm. All right? On a national scale, we are sitting in the downside of that overemphasis on uh, patient satisfaction, and, uh, and we're experiencing all of these negative consequences because we didn't see the interdependence and we, we tried to look at it as a problem and solve it. So we don't want to repeat that, right? And as leaders now, you don't have to. So, you know, what's important is leverage this tension, lean into it. The other thing is to be vigilant. So we want to monitor what's happening in our organization and be vigilant about achieving these positive outcomes so we can keep moving towards that greater purpose of the best places to give and receive care. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a great lesson that came out of that triple aim to quadruple aim, and we just don't want to forget about it, but let it inform us and really help us look at things through that simultaneous action, right? Oh, yes. That's, that's what's going to get us to the sustainable outcomes we desire. So with the when we look at patient satisfaction and the action on that part of this tension is we do want clinicians that work in our environments to know it's a priority for us. And how we help keep that a priority is start on day one, orientation, let them know. Patient satisfaction is extremely important. Um, It's part of our performance expectation and that we are going to reinforce it in everything that we do. Partnering with patients is kind of a core competency, listening to them. And when it comes to um, actually planning the patient's care, that we engage patient and family in that as well. And that it's transparent. 
mm-hmm. right? It's not something we just talk about. We actually can see and engage patients and families in their care planning process. Another action step is really looking at continuous practice improvements based on what? Patient and family feedback. So again, they're part of the process and we are taking what they're telling us and we're constantly improving how we're delivering care. Again, at a at a unit level, at a Department level, at a system level, at an organization level, all the way through. Right, right. And, you know, those are some really great examples of action steps. And there's probably many, many more that other people could, you know, think of. And there's lots in the literature. And, you know, so every organization is going to kind of step back and think about what are we doing, what's working, what's not working when it comes to action steps. And while we're taking those action steps, right, we also want to make sure that we're strengthening the clinician satisfaction as well. And so, you know, we want to step back and think about what are the action steps that are going to help us get these positive outcomes of focusing on uh, clinician satisfaction. And one of the things what we've had a lot of experience with, right, is having an infrastructure that actually engages the interprofessional team members in, you know, caring for patients because, Mm -hmm. and in the decisions around their professional practice and their environment and, right, so having an infrastructure, kind of like a partnership structure Um, where we can bring clinicians and leaders together in an interprofessional way. I think that's really important to say because, you know, I know, um, you know, we know a lot of organizations have, you know, shared governance for nursing and, and, and that's great because it really helps with their individual Mm -hmm. practice for their profession. Um, But we know it's not just about any one clinician, right? Caring for patients, it's all of us. And and there's that interdependent relationship there too, right? Between all the different clinicians. So we want a strong partnership structure that engages them. Uh, the other thing is um, make sure they're involved in the decision-making uh, around the things that are going to improve that environment, improve those care processes. So have good you know, processes for that as well. And then just tools and resources and other infrastructures that support evidence-based practice, interprofessional practice, and and those work processes, right? So that it it helps them to be um, not only effective, but efficient in what they're doing and how they're working together and how they're caring for the patients. Those are some additional action steps for clinician satisfaction. Yeah, Tracy, I just had a flashback to the 1990s. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> way back, way back. <laughs> yes, yes. But you know, we we actually started interprofessional rounds way back then. Oh, we were a, way ahead of our time. In critical care. And um, I just remembered about how that impacted my satisfaction as a leader to help to implement those, mm-hmm. but also the satisfaction of the interprofessional team because they, you know, we they really felt they were contributing and we were all putting our voice in as patients as we went one by one by one by one. And, um, that's an example, I think of something tangible that's interprofessional that really inc- improves uh, clinician satisfaction because we're making a difference. We're providing our perspective. We're engaging patients and families at the same time. Yeah. It was a win-win all the way around. It's probably one of those interventions that you could use in both, uh, on both poles. On both, both poles, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And we know that if we only focus on the clinician or over-focus on the clinicians without really, again, taking into consideration the patient's needs and desires, then um, we're going to start to feel that downside of the patient satisfaction poll. And 
we're going to hear it from the staff probably first, right? Because uh, we're over-focusing on it. So then again, what are you hearing in your organization? You might start to hear things like, you know, what's going on around here? It feels like we're running a hotel instead of a hospital, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. No, I think I've actually said that. I hate to admit it. <laughs> Yes. And then the recognition and the frustration that um, if all the resources and focus is going on the patient experience, oh, it's the patient experience. What a struggle it is when we can't meet those needs because we don't have the resources to continue to develop ourselves or get what we need to provide really good patient care because of resource constraints. And, um, you know, we'll start to just kind of see you know, just a distancing of staff um, and maybe increase sick days and uh, decrease in staff satisfaction scores. We'll start to see them drop off. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. what can happen if we overfocus on just the patient side. Right, right. And, you know, what's important about these warning signs is I think, you know, early warning signs, right? Because Mm -hmm. the whole goal here is to course correct before we get down into these negative consequences. So we want signs that to indicate to us, wait a minute, maybe we've over-focused a little bit here, or or maybe what we had intended to do to support the staff is ineffective, right? And so we need to course correct. We need to evaluate or uh, make changes. So yeah, it's really important to have these early warning signs in place. And there's early warning signs for overemphasizing the clinician satisfaction uh, component as well. And something, you know, sometimes you start to hear people make comments is the first thing you'll hear, right? And that's yep. very early on. You'll start to hear trends in uh, patients or families making comments like, you know, I'm starting to feel like a room number or, you know, they just treat me like a disease. They don't acknowledge me as a person, right? They're not they're not connecting. They don't even look at me when they come in the room. They're just doing their task and they're not paying attention to me. Um, the other thing that you might hear is, you know, we don't feel listened to. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, has anybody heard what I've asked for today? I've had to ask for, you know, water five times today, right? Um, I've asked three times to have my room cleaned or whatever it might be. Uh, but they're asking over and over for things and they're just not even feeling heard or recognized. The other thing is, you know, they might start to ask to talk to the leaders. Uh, can we talk to your manager or can we talk to your director? Yeah, we're going to escalate um, this. <laughs> yeah, you start to, you know, they're not feeling heard. Right. Up the chain they go, right? And they're going to start complaining. Um, the other thing is, um, you know, we might start to see a lack of individualization on their plan of care. And what I mean by that is who the patient actually is and what their preferences are isn't anywhere in the plan. It's all about just the standardized care that we want to provide for whatever problem that they're having, whatever diagnosis they have. And we don't have things like, you know, um, how they like to be addressed even, you know, do you like to be called Joan or Jim or Mr. Jones or, you know, I mean, even the simplest things aren't present for us to know how to connect with them as a human being and a person. So, you know, we start to see those things fall right off, um, as well. And, you know, it's just, again, um, what's important about these warning signs. And, you know, they might look different in different organizations. These are just some examples, but um, is to be vigilant about monitoring them, Mm -hmm. right? Because they are the early warning sign, the early indicator something's going wrong, right? That's right. That's <laughs> and, right. Uh, and we don't want to get down to that bottom. You know, we don't want to get to the bottom of all this. We want to stay above it and keep things strong in both uh, the satisfaction polls, clinician and patient. So monitoring these and being vigilant about them is extremely important. 
Okay, so now we are coming out of the downside of the patient satisfaction on a national level. So I just want to, I'm going to restate this one more time because I think it's so significant, is that we had the triple aim that was released in 2008. And in 2014, we began to see Bodenheimer and Sinksy's article on the negative outcome of overemphasis on the patient family experience. Not that it's a bad thing again, but we over-focused on that. And it took us six years to realize that clinician experience and satisfaction was equally as important, right? And what it means for us as healthcare leaders is just think about all the time, money, and resources that that were spent or misallocated, uh, wasted, used inefficiently because we didn't see the whole picture. So that's the key lesson here. Yeah, well, and then, you know, I'm sure there were some positive outcomes achieved. Oh, sure. Right. In regards to the elements of the triple aim, but they weren't sustainable because we were missing that fourth aim. We're missing that other interdependent component. And so, you know, that's the big thing. And, and what we know and what polarities teach us, and that's why we know this is a polarity. And that's why we know this is an interdependent pair, right? Is because this is exactly what happens when you don't pay attention to both. And it is 100% predictable. It is preventable. And that's why we're such champions for this. And it, it, you know, it is to recognize what a significant thing the triple aim is and how how important that is and we need to add the clinician satisfaction and experience component to it in order to get to those sustainable outcomes that's right and the sustainable outcome of this particular polarity is to really provide the best places to give and receive care so we're looking at it both from that clinician perspective and the patient perspective and if we don't keep our eye on both sides and our action focus on both sides then we will slide down into that deeper fear place which is, it's not a good place. Um, We have decreased loyalty from a patient perspective to the organization, um, poor reputation in our our communities, um, and just more money wasted because we have more turnover and the care and the quality is at a poor level. So we don't want to go there. We want to stay out of that basement. (laughs) We want to be sustainable up at the top. Exactly. Now, before we wrap up today, um, here's a few takeaways for you. So let's let's just really learn from the experience with the triple aim, right? Mm-hmm. We're, we're continuous learners. I mean, that's what this is all about, right? It's not pointing fingers or blaming anybody. It's just let's just learn from what we've experienced, exactly. right? Mm-hmm. And so one thing that we can learn is to ask questions, right? When somebody's coming forth in your organization, in your department, right, wherever it might be, nationally, locally. When somebody's coming forth with a with a framework like that to say, is there anything missing? Are there any interdependent pairs that aren't represented here? It's just to kind of put that lens on right. and look at it from an interdependent perspective. Um, and, you know, if we had done that, mm-hmm. if we had recognized this earlier, how different might things be? Maybe we wouldn't be sitting so deeply in the downside with the suicide rates and the depression and the challenges that we're having with clinicians. Maybe. Who knows, right? We don't know how long it takes to drop down into that downside, but in this case, it took us six years. So let's just learn. Learn right. from it. Ask the right questions or ask some questions 
Um, and we can all do that. Anybody can ask that question. The other thing is simultaneous actions, right? We talked about the action steps. Can't overemphasize enough. If you're going to take action, it has to be simultaneous. You need to make sure that the actions that you're taking are supporting, getting those positive outcomes, evaluate it if they're not, make modifications, course correct, keep yourself as much as you can experiencing those positive outcomes. That's what's going to lead to that sustainable outcome of the best place to give and receive care. And then the other thing is just monitoring, right? This is an interdependent relationship. So yeah, sure, you're measuring clinician engagement. You're measuring satisfaction, probably a multitude of different ways there is to do that. Same thing with the patient experience, right? Their satisfaction. But don't not look at how they're impacting each other and how that interdependent relationship is impacting your ability to achieve that greater purpose. So those are to be the three things I'd say for you to take away from today's podcast. As always, it's been a pleasure. We were so happy you can join us. And if you want to take a first step in digging into this polarity a little bit more, we have in the show notes uh, patient satisfaction, clinician satisfaction, polarity map, and a worksheet for you to get started. Yeah, so dig in and enjoy. Thanks for tuning in today. If you found our conversation insightful or helpful, please share this episode with others you think might benefit. Also, go out to iTunes and rate the show and share a review because we really like those positive ones. Wink, wink. You can access today's show notes and downloads at www.missinglogic.com forward slash podcast. If you want to learn more about polarities in healthcare or how you might manage them in your organization, you can contact us for a free consultation. Just go to our website at www.missinglogic.com.